again and welcome to the second episode of our wholehearted podcast uh, where we're going to be talking about relationships, building healthy relationships and some of the uh, key factors that we all wrestle with in relationships. And today we have a very special guest. Now over the last month uh, we've been talking about the fears that we deal with in relationships and uh, we've covered a lot of different stuff. But today, we're actually going to kind of switch gears a little bit. We'll tackle some of those fears. And at the end, we do have questions from some of you guys uh, that we're really excited to get into. And we have a relationship expert, author, and uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Femi Awadeli. So, Femi, thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, uh, for everybody else that hasn't met you before and uh, doesn't know a whole lot about you, uh, can you just give us a little bit of your bio, you know, where you're from, uh, your experience, your education, and uh, just a little bit about you? Uh, my name is Femi Awadeli, and um, my accent, if you're wondering, is uh, <laughs> somewhere from Africa, mixed with Jersey, and uh, 20 years of Omaha. Um, I'm married. Uh, to a family physician, uh, Ola, Dr. Awadeli, and uh, we have two biological boys and one adopted daughter. Um, at this point, we're empty nesters, so that's good. Um, in my past life, I, I um, have a bachelor's degree in social sciences, uh, geography, but specialized in transportation, and I did that for like 13 years. And then the last 20 years, I have been in full-time ministry. Uh, I speak primarily on relationships, uh, mostly in churches, sometimes not in churches. I have been tremendously blessed to do so in um, over 50 countries. And also written about 14 books, published books, and many articles. So, And um, somewhere in between there, I used to find the time to be on quite a few boards, so <laughs> I was blessed to serve on this board and, and um, the Nebraska Family Alliance among, among some of those, so um, uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, yes. yeah. so uh, yeah, what, what was it that uh, made you take that switch? I mean, that's transportation to relationships, that's very interesting. That's a very good question. So, uh, we were married in August 92, and by 97, December, I was tired. <laughs> I was tired of marriage. I, I wanted out. I, uh, I was a believer, so it was not a question of being a believer or not, but I was just, a, I, I, I had no clue. I, a lot of what I know today, a lot of what I teach people today, nobody taught you in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, all they say is, you're a Christian, get married, and you'll be fine. <laughs> Now I discovered that that's not true. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we had problems, a lot of problems. Marriage almost collapsed, and God healed our marriage. Uh, and uh, 97, 98, and right after that, I started helping people in their marriage. I started to, my job uh, in corporate was traveling. Uh, so I started to help people, and, and a lot of people started to say to me, hey, it looks like 
looked like you were born with it. And, and later on, I realized that I, God has given me a gift of teaching, uh, both naturally and spiritually. And uh, so here we are 20 years later. Wow. 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 How did you guys meet, you and your wife? Good question. So my wife um, was born here in the U.S., Morgantown, West Virginia, and she went back to Nigeria when she was somewhere between 7 and 10. And she was in Nigeria. She would come back to her parents. Her dad was a professor on the college campus, and that was the college I went. And um, I like to sing. She likes to sing classical music. And we met in that group that sing classical music, African folk, and um, and we met there. That was I was a junior. Wow. Wow. Um, then my senior year, then um, she came back to the U.S. We broke up actually, and they reconnected a couple of years, about two years later, and here we are, twenty years, ten years later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so you mentioned uh, there was, like, right after you got married, there was some tiredness, as yeah, you said. Uh, yeah. uh, what what was the cause of that? What do you think kind of led to that point? Uh, first of all, um, uh, some of the things I say to people now is, there is, um, when I look at marriage now, there is, there is a group of marriage that I classify as their problem is ignorance. They mm-hmm. just don't know. Uh, and then the other group is they know, but they, they are fearful or prideful to apply. So most married are in those two categories. And for us at that time, it was ignorant, pure ignorance. So for instance, I had no clue what nature and nurture meant. Mm. Okay. Nobody taught me. I'd never even had those words before. Um, so I didn't understand my wife's nature, I didn't understand her nurture, I didn't understand personality, I didn't understand whatever, I just wanted to change her into, um, uh, from Jezebel to become a <laughs> Proverbs 31 woman, and she wanted to change me to, uh, whatever, you know, I don't know what I ideal man is, but we just wanted to change each other, we mm. were frustrated, and one of the books that helped us in those days was Five of Languages. Okay, mm. I mean, I'm talking 1998. Uh, that was the first time we read it, and uh, it helped a lot. So, uh, so for us, in 1997, it was, um, if I can apply, it was, it was just pure ignorance, not knowing the other person, not understanding the other person, and having your own imagination of this is what a husband should look like, this is what a wife should look like, and you're busy trying to make that person that. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so it was a reality shock. Kind yeah, of. it yeah. was. It was. It was. So, so now what I do when I travel or speak now, thanks to thanks to COVID, I do a lot of Zoom now. Yes. Uh, what I do is provide a lot of information, and um, so and I've discovered that for some people, it's just information. Mm-hmm. Just information. I spoke to a couple. I don't even remember how I got to. Uh, they got to know me, but they're in South Africa, and somebody connected them to me. They connected to me, and they spoke to me for like two hours. And I'm like, "Oh, this is your problem." And they were like, "Oh, really? That's it?" <laughs> and, and they were able to apply. But what I found out is that church folk, 
they know they have information, but then they don't want to apply. Mm. If I need to apply, if you tell them Matthew one, they say, "What about Matthew three? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's there's that fear, there's that fear. But for us in those days, it was it was ignorant. Okay. Having kids obviously is a big adjustment to any relationship, and you guys said you adopted. Mm-hmm. So, how did that affect your relationship? Uh, I'm a, um, I, I like to study. I like to read a lot. Some things that some people don't even think or like. So, for me, before we had kids, we waited three years to have kids. My wife was in medical school then. And I read a lot about marriage. I wanted, I had this ideal of what the Bible wants for my kids. So I read a lot. And uh, we had plans for what we wanted our kids to do. Like, we decided they were going to go to Christian school even before they were born. And so a lot of those things. And there was a book that really helped me. And I recommended that book. I personally have bought over 50 copies of that book. It's called The, Bi- the Book of Baby and Child Care by Focus on the Family. Written, it's 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 a wonderful book. If you are raising kids, it tells you the different stages of what to do at different stages. It tells you emotional development, physical development, spiritual development, and uh, I found that, that that really helped us. Um, of course, kids are different. You know, my first one is a nerd. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can vouch uh, for that. Jared, Jared knows him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, he's a data scientist today. Um, and my second one is very emotional, you know. So, and you will never catch my first one raising his hand on anything. <laughs> so, so, uh, but we thank God. We, you know, we did a lot of things when they were growing up. Um, you know, camps was a big deal for us. So they went to Pentecost. Um, BSF was a big deal for us. Bible study fellowship. Mm. They both went through seven years of that. JBQ mm. was a big deal in our home. So there are some things that we need, but, uh, but to answer your question, um, you have a principle, you follow the principle, but you apply differently to each child. Yeah. yeah. That's good. And that book that you mentioned, I remember after we had my first son, Emery, mm-hmm. uh, he is our, our strong-willed child. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got a, another one after our daughter, our fourth, mm-hmm. and she is also a strong-willed, but my wife, she came to you and was like, what book would you recommend? <laughs> and uh, you told her that same book, that's and book. she got it in the mail. And I mean, that's a thick that book. Thick book yeah. <laughs> but you can consult it all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's still on the shelf, and she regularly goes back to it. So so last question about just your personal life before we jump into our, our regular questions. Um, as far as now the kids are out of the house, and you're basically in a, a new season with uh, with your wife, with Ola. So so how has that impacted your guys' relationship? We were ready for it. <laughs> we, uh, we uh, one of the things, uh, Ola and I, we, we kind of, every year we take a handful of couples and we mentor them for the whole year. That's great. And one of the things we do and we repeatedly say to them is you have to plan. Um, life is... There's no accident in life. You know, one day you're gonna be born. Uh, one day you're gonna, your kids are gonna go to school. Mm-hmm. It's not an accident. One day your parents are gonna be 80 or 90 and they're gonna die. And so you gotta be ready for that. And uh, so we planned. 
uh, knew that our kids were going to be leaving the house. Uh, and, um, and I don't know if many people know this. The highest divorce in America happens between four and seven years. Mm-hmm. That's the highest. Uh, and then the next highest, number number two highest, is between 20 and 24 years of marriage. Uh, when the kids leave home and the parents have not spent time with each other. So we deliberately spend time with each other. We genuinely like each other and we genuinely hate each other. <laughs> no, so, no, what I'm trying to say is we, we know each other. There's no hitting anything. You know, we I can say anything, she can say anything. Mm-hmm. And you know, we over the years we've learned to be real, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Uh, so that has helped us. I, I actually was looking forward to um, uh, to being empty next. You know, I joke around that you know I can walk around the house naked. Or something. <laughs> uh, you didn't do that with the kids, huh? Uh, no, you can't. You can't. You know, right? yes. <laughs> so. No, but so, they do crash it. They're yeah, still at the yeah, age where, you know, crash. I, I want to go to the bathroom, guys. Yeah, just yeah, just yeah. give me a minute. <laughs> give, me, give me one minute. Yeah, don't worry. Don't, don't worry. The empty will come. <laughs> uh, but so, so, yeah, we, we had like a one year when you went to college of that. But this particular year, uh, we have a couple of college kids staying with us. So mm-hmm. it's not really, really empty. But we also, uh, you know, we... Part of our plan was to have a, a new home, a new house, and we did. And when we were building, we we did a lot of stuff for grandkids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually told the kids, this house, um, yeah, you have a room, but we're going to build everything, bathroom, everything, with the mindset of grandkids. <laughs> Sorry. No pressure. No, no pressure. No, no, no pressure. Good, good. Okay, should we jump into our relationship questions? Yeah, let's jump in. They're going to be so fun. <laughs> um, I saw them. Um, so our first question is, what common denominator characteristics do you see in like strong and healthy relationships? A strong, a relationship that is strong or going to be strong will definitely have Christ at the center. That's my opinion. Uh, definitely Christ. But for people who are not Christians, they, they should have some value system. They should have... Um, there is a data that was released by um, Rutgers University, National Marriage Institute, and that data is still good. They said if you have a religion and practice it, it mm-hmm. reduces divorce by like 20-something percent. Wow. Um, so for me, and I'm not saying somebody who goes to church. Mm-hmm. I'm saying somebody who has fruit, because there's a lot of people who go to church today, but they have no fruit. Mm. So if you have a foundation of Christ, that's the best foundation to build on. Uh, the second thing is when you marry, you get to know, if you want to have a healthy, get to know your spouse. Get to know your spouse, get to know um their, their nature, personality, traits, uh, get to know their nurture, the family of origin, because those things are going to come in big time into your marriage. And, um, and recognize that you cannot change. Each personality, each nature, each nurture has strength and weakness. And don't ever try to change your spouse's weakness. Mm-hmm. I know many people try... 
oh, you cried too much, don't cry. You know, <laughs> you know, that sounds like a winner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah don't, you know, don't. Uh, what you do is you ask God for grace uh, to help you with the area of weakness, and and then you emphasize the the strength. You you focus on the strength. Um, you know, when we married, I was brought up in a home where you don't compliment just people for just compliments. You know, yeah. It's only when they do good you compliment. The good is what you define it to be. And for five years, my wife did not get compliment from me. <laughs> so, in those days, I didn't think she did anything good. Um, but she complimented me because her love language was um, was words, and I didn't know that. So, um, and I had to pray for God to show me how good what she does well, and then I complimented those. And I realized that once I started to compliment her, then she started to bloom. Hmm. And the things that I used to yell and say, I want this done, that should be done, she just did when she was happy. So um, that those, those are some of those things that you learn, unfortunately, uh, later, because nobody told you anything. Uh, so I'm a big believer in uh, pre-marriage education, pre-marriage class, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I've discovered that when you're teaching the class, I thought marriage class at Good News Church for like 18 years, every year, that people don't listen to you. <laughs> they, they just in the class. But it's only when they marry, they now remember, oh, gee, Femi said that. <laughs> <laughs> Even yesterday, there's a couple that came up to walk up to me and said, oh, yeah, you know, now we, that your DVD, we watch it all the time. I'm like, there you go. That's why it's a DVD. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. No, think, no. Well, and I have a follow-up question to yeah. that, if you don't mind. A lot of our followers on social media are like ages, say like 14 to 18. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of them are in relationships right now. Okay. What are some characteristics in those kind of relationships where maybe they're not necessarily thinking about marriage right now, maybe in the future, but how can they start building healthy like healthy characteristics now in relationships. So, so um, they would not like me what I'm, what I'm about to say. I can vouch for that. <laughs> I know what he's going to say. Yeah, yeah. So they would not like what I'm about to say. So when my children were growing, uh, were in that age group, I told them no, no, no girlfriend, uh, well, girlfriend for my boys. Uh, uh, because, I, I, and this is my thing to them, are you going to marry that girl now? And the answer is no. And I'm like, okay, so let me tell you what's going to happen, okay? I'm a boy like you. I have testosterone like you. What's going to happen is you're going to meet a girl. You're going to like each other. Emotion is going to be high. She's going to fight you if you talk to another girl. Oh, oh my God. (laughs) And guess what? You guys are going to fight all the time. And... You are not that smart yourself, you know, you're going to say things that you shouldn't say. So, bottom line is you're putting yourself in a situation where you're going to hate girls or you're going to hate boys because of how one of them behave. That's number one. Number two, um, you're also playing with hormones. Mm -hmm. So, every girl between 14 and 18, you're... Especially girls at age around 13, you're going to get a surge of estrogen. Boys are going to get a surge of 
testosterone, and you're going to have a high sexual whatever. You know, your sexual urges. Urges. Yeah. It's like gonna be like a V8 Mustang uh, thing going on. So, and when you touch each other, especially when you like each other, your uh, your body releases a hormone called uh, serotonin. And once you release serotonin, it you start to lose control. And if you don't stop it, your body is gonna release another serotonin, another hormone called oxytocin. And once oxytocin is released, speaking in tongue will not help you. <laughs> so, uh, so in that case, in my house, I told them no. Now, for some household, they don't mind. Your parents say, "Hey, you go have, you can have boyfriend or you can have girlfriend." Uh, I would just say, don't put yourself in situations where uh, you are alone. Hence the. Hormones get the best of you. Uh, I don't know how you can control or we want to be together all the time thing. And I know that affects your grades. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, except, you know, you can lie to me. I used to be that age too. And I've <laughs> raised kids in that age. Uh, it does affect your grades. So what I say to my kids is have fun with a group of friends, you know. And you guys can go out together, go watch movie. Uh, but I'm not a fan of one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you have one, just set boundaries. If your parents allow it, set boundaries yourself. Um, there is a scripture, I think it's Job 31, one, it says, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to see evil. So you use some scriptures to make sure to give yourself boundaries. I think it's possible, uh, but it's swimming, it's swimming uphill. Yeah. Now I remember... Um, because, uh, again, I've known you for a very long yes, time. Long time. <laughs> and uh, I've known you as both, uh, you know, an adult, but also as a as a student. And you would come and speak in the youth groups and speak in some of the small groups and stuff. And uh, I was in that relationship uh, where my wife and I, we did meet in junior high, that as a, you know, 14, 15-year-old kid, and you were coming in, yeah, I remember specifically you were you were talking about that uh, that verse in Song of Solomon that says yes. don't don't awaken love before it's time. Solomon two seven. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and I rem- I remember that, and I was like, no, what does that even mean? Like to not awaken love before it's time. How do you know it's time? What is it? What is what does that phrase even mean? And it's it was so nebulous to me that uh, that I just I read it. I don't know how many times, and it just never clicked. And then you were sharing on it, and I was like, okay, I think I understand it now. I don't like it. But <laughs> can you kind of unpack that one a little bit? So so let me give the context. I like context. Yeah. Uh, because, con- you know, taking Bible out of context is really bad. So the context of that verse, actually, that statement was made twice. Yeah. Uh, the context was Solomon liked this woman called the Shulamite woman, and wanted to marry her and in those days you have to you don't just bring the woman to the king you have to prepare her so she was being prepared for the king basically so in chapter two she was where they were preparing her you know olive oil bath and all those whatever the jewish people do in those days the rich ones and uh, and solomon will go 
to where she was and want to touch her. And she was like, whoa, <laughs> don't touch me yet. Don't, uh, do not arouse nor awaken my love until it is desired. And basically, the context is, don't touch me now, honey, because if you touch me, you're going to be waking things up. <laughs> uh, so, uh, the I don't know how many of those of you listening to me watch uh, Everybody Love Raymond. Uh, or maybe they don't even know Everybody yeah. Love Raymond. There was, there was a show once. There, there was a show once called Everybody Love Raymond. And it, it was really funny. It's a comedy. So Raymond's wife was touching him on a Sunday morning when they were going to have guests. And, you know, they were kissing in the living room. And then Raymond said, oh, you are activating the sequence launch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the so launch sequence. The launch sequence, yeah. <laughs> so you are activating the launch sequence. I remember that episode. You remember that episode? <laughs> that episode is a very popular episode. So basically that is awakening love. And what uh, the Shulamite woman was saying to Solomon is, don't arouse me. Don't do things that will arouse me before we marry, mm. before we get married. And by chapter 3, they eventually got married. Uh, but twice Solomon came, Solomon wanted to touch her, and twice she said, okay, honey, let's wait, let's wait. So that is the meaning and context of that verse. Yeah, so this uh, this experience that many young people are, are feeling yes. in that age range, you know, the starting 13, 14 and going on to X, you know, some of them, it's a long time before they are getting married or anything. Um, it's been, that problem has been around, like, as long as people have been around. Yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, it, what is the, I think one of the things that was difficult when I was growing up was I had a lot of people giving me rules. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of people saying, you know, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Uh, but then I also didn't have, one, I didn't grow up with, you know, a healthy relationship modeled. Two, I didn't have anybody saying how to get from A to B. Like, where, where if you're, you know, 15, 16, 17, and you don't want just, you know, all the junk that everybody else is getting into, you would like to go towards building a healthy relationship down the road, getting married one day and having a healthy marriage. But there's nowhere that a lot of these kids are able to look to see what that's like. So, so what would you say to those kids? The, one of the things I did, and I'm very grateful to God for this, was to raise the boys. And you guys know my boys, and you can ask them. Feel free to ask them. They'll tell you. Is, um, they were raised with critical thinking. Mm. They were not raised with, this is the rule, follow it. Uh, they were raised with... This is the rule. This is why we're having the rule. And basically, everybody knew what the rule is and why we have that rule. Mm-hmm. And you can say your own, but here is what we have. Um, for all three, both boys and, and my daughter, uh, when they turn 13, uh, the day they turn 13, I take them out. And we have the birds and bee talk. We did. And um, I bought books for them. They read the book, and then we talked. It was different for all three. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I bought them ring. They pick out the ring themselves, all three. And um, so we did that. 
And then for me, when I'm talking to them, I don't say just don't do this. I don't give rules because I know that human nature, human sin nature, uh, once you give the rule, then they want to break that rule. Yeah. The human sin nature is, why shouldn't I touch that? What do you mean I can't touch that? Why? And then every energy will be, I want to see what's in there that I'm not going to touch it. Uh, so it's better to say, okay, the reason you don't touch it is because if you touch it, it's going to burn your hand. And So that's what I did with my kids. I explained to them from a spiritual standpoint what God says. Okay, uh, this is what God says. Uh, I like what something, somebody posted on Facebook. Sex is not for male and female. Sex is for husband and wife or something like that, you know. Uh, that is what, you know, God, that's God's intent. Now, uh, God is not going to kill you if you have sex, you know, um, uh, you know, you have whatever you have and you go get treated or maybe a baby or something like that. But why go through that? Why? This is the physical. This is what's happening in your brain. I explained the brain to them. I explain the physiology of the body to them. So they understand the spiritual side, they understand the uh, emotional side, and they understand physical side. Now, like I said, my older one was very, oh, okay, he's a, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, my second one <laughs> uh, wasn't always, uh, he knew all of that, but he still felt, hey, I'll have a girlfriend. Um, <laughs> And, of course, I will end up knowing, and, you know, and we'll talk about it. And it's funny, by the time he got into senior year, he actually came to me and said, I don't want to have any girlfriend. And I'm like, why? So, so when he got to, to, to junior year, he really, I mean, he was violating my rule of no girlfriend. So, he finally met this girl. And I'm like, okay, you know what? You, you, you want to do it? Okay. But here are the rules. And uh, I think the girl came to, what did you guys call your group in those days? Emanate. Emanate, elevate, whatever, gravity. Yeah. Something uh, to do something, with yeah. force of nature. <laughs> so, uh, so this girl came in, you know, she was, she was you know. So I said to him, okay, that's fine. You want to go? Uh, the I met the girl's parents, which was kind of weird too. <laughs> uh, and then I said, "This is the rule." And I, I, I think my rule was too strict for her. I think, you know. Uh, but he knew that for me to even say yes, that was like a <laughs> big deal. Big deal. And and after that, he kind of said, "No more, no more." And um, so. It depends on each child. You give. I let them have the critical thinking, explain it to them. Now, I understand that when you don't have a dad or parent that you trust that can talk to you, one of the advantages that I have is the fact that I've always had a relationship with my boys that they trust me. So that I think that makes a difference. Uh, make I, I think uh, even now, you know, they can they talk to me on anything. Awesome. That's a great relationship, parent-child. Um, next question, kind of switching gears, but not really. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of people that get into a relationship and then they break up, and then they get into a relationship and break up, and it seems like they're scared of commitment. Yes. So why 
generally are people so scared. Any goodness, they're they're starting younger and younger. (laughs) They really Uh, are. I remember when I was in you know fifth grade, that was when they started talking like boyfriend and girlfriend language, and that meant sitting by each other at lunch. Lunch, yes. You know, that was Sitting it. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, a week later we would break up and not me. I was yeah. not cool enough for that. But <laughs> but uh I wanted to be, I just wasn't. But uh, but then I mean now, goodness, my my son is in fifth grade, my oldest son, and I I am so concerned because I speak and I teach in junior high and I know what he's walking into, and by sixth, seventh, eighth grade. I mean, these kids are sounding like when I was growing up, you know, the seniors in high school, guys that are leaving off for college and, you know, trying to hook up with somebody over the summer. They're sounding like that at, you know, 6th, 7th, 8th grade. Uh, so, yeah, what what is uh, what is your, your thoughts on that? And then how does that affect the, I mean, the breakup, the, breakup. the, the mm-hmm. cycle, the dating so, cycle? So uh, I'll tell you a story, then I'll answer your question. So, uh, when my older one was 6th grade going to 7th grade, uh, I told him that summer, I said, all the girls in your class are going to look different when you get back to school. They're going to look different. They're going to have this. (laughs) (laughs) I went through him. I explained everything. I showed him pictures. And I told him why. I said, girls develop between ages 11 and 13. They get a surge of estrogen, and that surge helps them grow. And these are the things that the books say will happen. Boys, maybe one year later, 12 to 14, they have a surge of testosterone. Your voice change from a female voice to... Uh, you start to break, you start to have... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, beard, hair, face, hair. You start to have hair in places. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I should say this. Boys, then you pee. You know, you, gotta, you have dreams. Um, so it's normal. Some parents don't even know how to tell their kids that, but I do. Yeah. So this is so funny. So the very first day of school, very first day, new school. Uh, no, not new school. I think it was the year before. A girl came up to him, to him on the bus and said, I want you to be my special friend. And of course, she had changed during the summer. She <laughs> changed. So he came home and said, Dad, 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 guess what happened? I said, because I kind of told him, I said, this is going to happen. Uh, and he said, so what do I do? I said, yeah, you've come to the expert. Tell her that you're not ready for... <laughs> for special friend that she can just be your friend and uh, you know that's what happened and it, I didn't have to tell him too much because his nature was also not like that he's a laser focused kind of guy and he wants to be number one in anything so so that was easy uh, so what happens the reason there's a lot of breakup is because at that time at that age what your primary goal is attraction. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking you want to be dating the jock. You want to be dating the cute girl, you know, the cheerleader. You want So what it is is attraction, things that do not last. So the, 
your attraction to the jock only lasts till another jock transfer from <laughs> Central. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, uh, you just see that he's a he's an idiot, and then you go <laughs> for his friend, uh, and and so that is what happened. Now that does not mean that some people don't meet and they like each other and they sustain it, uh, but the percentage of that is kind of low. Uh, so the reason there's quick run around, quick transfer is attraction. And attraction fades very, very quickly. Attraction. Attraction is, oh, I'm attracted to this person. She looks cute. And then the next day she has a pimple. Oh, jeez, she's not cute anymore. <laughs> then, then you go to the next person. So that is why. Why? And emotion. It's all based on emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the classes I teach married adults is that... Um, Actually, funny enough, I used to do a class at high schools. I used to volunteer in high schools. I do a program called Marriage is Cool. And one of the questions that they, all the, the kids always ask me is, you married to the same woman for 20 years? Don't you get tired? And, and they'll ask me, tired of sex and, and to the same woman? I'm like, no. And so for them, it's a, an attraction thing. So for them, it, they don't understand love as a decision mm. love to them is an emotional thing and anything emotion fades even doesn't matter what your age is you like it today and tomorrow you like ps4 today tomorrow it's <laughs> xbox today you hate lebron and tomorrow you <laughs> like uh, curry and you know it's it's emotion that's a great answer yeah so so with uh, just how the generational changes have happened. Uh, th- like I said, things are so different for my kids growing up than they were even for me. And then even from my generation to your generation, there is still just so many, so many advancements that pushed other areas of life uh, to move much faster. So how, how do you think that's affecting this generation that's coming up in their relationships long term? The a generation, depending on who you ask, a generation is about 10 years, um, you know, 10, 15, depending on the definition or who you're talking to. There's no doubt that uh, things change from one generation to another. I joke with my kids. Um, uh, my older one always argue with me that, I, that it's not true, <laughs> that when I was growing up, we had only four channels. On TV, four. And it starts at 4 p.m. and it closes at 12 midnight. That was my growing up years television. 4 p.m. to midnight, and the movie you watch were imported American movies. Uh, and um, now my children grew up with. I don't know. I mean, channel 1,000. Thousands and thousands. Thousands and thousands. Cell phone. When I came to America 28 years ago, you turn on your computer and then you go and bath for it to boot up. I remember that. You turn it on and then you go bath. Yeah. Um, When IVK was five, there's a picture in my office of when my older son was five years old. And I remember, I see the computer, he was... Walking on my, oh my god, 
today. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really oh my god. Now they have this phone is a yeah. computer. Yeah, it is. Uh, and kids know how to use it now. They they know your two year old probably knows how to use uh. that thing. So, and and now our society we tolerate a lot. Definitely morally we have we have sold down the tube in terms of morally. Uh, you know, 10 years ago, some things that you'll be ashamed of today, hmm. it's even a, a, a you know... Uh, celebrated. It's celebrated. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. it's celebrated. Things have changed. People are tolerating things that would not be. And, and the, this new generation is saying no big deal. No big deal. And in church, I, I must say this, in church, because I deal with pastors, in church, we have, we are afraid to say that is wrong. Mm. We are afraid. Um, so we, we tolerate a lot of things in the name of not judging. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, so there's a lot of, uh, okay, no problem. If that's what works for you. You know, some of us still, that's one of the reasons I, they don't allow me in children's ministry. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it's, um, yeah, so there's a lot of acceptance mm-hmm. of the culture, uh, things that somebody will do. And in 10 years, 20 years ago, and people will say, what's wrong with you? You know, now, tell me one celebrity who marries. They don't marry anymore before they have kids. Every one of them have kids now before they marry. Even the ones who call themselves Christians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even even once. I mean, I love um, what's his name, um, uh, quarterback of Seattle, wrong guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 gosh, oh yeah. no, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, it starts with an H. I know he's a believer. Somebody, <laughs> I know somebody who's very close to him and who says he's a strong believer. Yeah, I think he had a kid before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before he married uh, the, the the lady. And, and that's somebody who is who professes Christ. I mm-hmm. mean, so that that is one of the things that I am afraid of. That is so. So my kid told me, "Oh, we I love um, Yanis, Yanis basketball. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love Yanis. Uh, we both basketball is something the boys and I have in common that we talk about a lot." And when Yanis had a, had a baby, they told me he had a baby. I'm like, when did he marry? <laughs> and people look at me like, what planet did you come from, Dad? You know? <laughs> uh, so the first thing I ask is, Mar- marriage. And they said, no, no, he's not married. I'm like, see? But but for them, that was like... It's almost normal nowadays. Yeah, it's normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's normal. And I, and I felt I had to say, you better not do that. <laughs> so... Yeah, no that that's a, a really good example. I was thinking of that just uh, you know premarital sex and uh, even just not getting married, cohabitating that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then another one. This next month we're going to be covering a lot on pornography, and uh, and that's another one that I, I think is pretty evident and tons of data to back it up. Just of how much it has affected uh, just the ease of access and. You know, like you said, my my two year old, she can get on the phone and she can look stuff up, yeah. and get right to a, the videos that she wants to get to on YouTube. She knows all that stuff, and I'm I'm strict with it, and I I don't allow that. Like 
she can get there, but it's because she gets on her aunts and her uncle's phones, not on my phone. It's when other people have her. And I, I'm pretty strict on those things because I, I do see the dangers in it. Uh, but yeah, there are just a lot of those areas that has just not even like a slow decline. It's been, it seems like big shifts in just a few years and another thing. For instance, with pornography, uh, like you said, when I was growing up, I didn't know what pornography was. I didn't understand even the term of it, probably until I was maybe junior high, but probably like 15, 16 years old before I really heard anybody talking about it for real. Uh, and now, you know, I, I love... I am a nerd, like your son. You know this. So I I love the superhero movies. I remember taking my boys to go see uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, and he's got one of his friends, like, on the computer tracking him, and uh, he's like, go left, go right. And then the the principal comes in. He's like, what are you doing in here? And he goes, uh, uh, watching porn. And it was supposed to be, like, this joke moment. And what is pretty much, it's a family movie if if you can't have one anymore, it's a superhero and Spider-Man. Like, he is the most marketable superhero, especially to kids. He's a teenager. And that that's something, like, just a little subtle line like that, that when I was growing up, would not have played. Wouldn't have happened. And now it's so normalized. It's and normalized. Everything is normalized. The mm-hmm. entertainment, the movie, even ad on TV. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even add on TV, it's so r- ridiculous now. So there's permissiveness. Mm. And, and kids think, and, and when you don't get reinforcement from home, uh, then it becomes very difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, we do want to take this last section of our, our podcast. Uh, we've got 10, 15 minutes left. And uh, we wanted to bring in some of the questions that. Uh, our viewers, our followers online have. So uh, just to kind of kick it off, this one's an interesting one. Uh, How can we achieve intimacy and friendships? So outside of dating relationships, marriage, building on that end, uh, just with social media in general and Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, these kids are on their phones all day long. And they're sharing these pictures of themselves that are all retouched and edited and all that junk. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you and Ola, you've gotten to this point where you're real and you can say anything. You can be open. How can these kids learn to develop some of that? Can I give a backstory on this really fast? You may. You may. Thank you, Jared. (laughs) Um, There is a trend on TikTok and it's, it's like a toxic friend video. So you have all mm. these people pretending to be like the toxic friend. And and they're all in these like superficial friend groups. So um, I'm imagining that they're all role-playing it on TikTok because they all have toxic friends because they're in these toxic friend groups. So that was the backstory, I believe, yeah. on that question yeah. where how do they develop actual close, intimate friendships, not toxic friendships. That is amazing. I did not know that. (laughs) uh, Your brother-in-law is somebody close to me. He and I talk a lot. I don't know if you know that. Um, I'm I'm talking about Isaiah. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there are a bunch of them. So (laughs) my wife is second of 11 kids. So there's a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah. So, and he, yeah, 
liked him uh, since he, he was a cadre and, you know, we talked from time to time. So the last time we spoke, which is not too, too far ago, and we were talking about friendship. He was asking, picking my brain on friendship. And so maybe this is where that came from now that hmm. you explained that to hmm. me. And, and I remember saying to him that, and I think he was preparing a note to share with the kids in terms of different friendship and things like that. So what you just said gave me a, a good background. Uh, what I remember sharing with him was, I will categorize friends into different, into three. Okay? So God has called us to have relationship with everybody. Relationship. You know, you are, I, if I see you on the street, hi, how are you? Uh, you know, God wants us to have a relationship. Jesus said you are in the world, but not of the world. So you, everybody should, you should be able to say hey with everybody. Then that's the first category. The second category is acquaintance. Acquaintance are not necessarily your friends. They are people you know, people you, um, you, so in my neighborhood now, for instance, I mean, I know my neighbors, they are acquaintances. Mm-hmm. Uh, hi, how are you? Oh, you brought out your garbage, you know, <laughs> you know all, those, all those stuff. You, you talk to them. But they're not my friends. Um, I speak a lot. I'm traveling a lot. And a lot of people who I've met one time, two times, maybe went to their church to speak, whatever, they think they're my friend. <laughs> the truth is, they're not. They're acquaintances. Uh, so that's the second category of, of what you will call friendship. And then there is the last one that I will call friends. Um, Facebook called all three categories friends, but mm-hmm. not really. Uh, so... Friends are the people that you allow in into your life. People that you allow to talk into your life. People that you, uh, when they call you or you call them, you can share uh, things with them. And you know that they will give you good good words. Those are friends. And even within that category, maybe you can even... Uh, you know, break things down. But generally, there are three. So what I will say to young people is, just because Facebook says everybody is your friend, mm-hmm. does not mean everybody is your friend. There are some people you have relationship with, and that relationship is just, hi, how are you? You help them if they need help. Uh, but then there are people who are acquaintances. You know, you, you go to church with them, you do youth group with them, but they're not necessarily your friends. And then they are your friends. Uh, when you are in middle school, in middle school there's something called herding, H-E-R-D-I-N-G. And I've said this to many parents, your kids are going to hurt, whether you like it or you don't like it. At this age group, 13 to 15, they're going to be 10 girls, they're going to all look awkward, they're going to follow each other, and they're going to have one leader, and then by 15, that ten group of 10 is going to win down to like three or four and um, who are going to become friends for life or something like that, depending on what it is. So it's very important for, excuse me, young people to know that, teenagers, early teenagers to know that, be, be careful who you bring into your 
circle of friends who you become intimate with. The Bible is very clear about that. Show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. Um, a plan succeed, you know, because of friends. I, I mean, Solomon has so, mm -hmm. so many words on friendship. Uh, Paul even talked about, you know, your friends can determine, uh, they will influence you. So what I would say is be careful. Um, you can be acquaintances, you can have relationships, but be careful of who you develop intimate friendship with. Mm. And, I'm, and when I say intimate, I don't mean romantic intimacy. Yeah. I'm just talking uh, who you want to go spend the night with, who you want to... It's not everybody that you go to sleep over in their house. So when your parents say, no sleep over in this person's house, don't go crazy on your parents. They know what they're saying. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah. So if you find yourself in, like, say this kid is already in a relationship that they're recognizing now is probably not healthy. Uh, this is not the type of person that they should be giving that amount of influence to. Um, would you say it's better for them to try, to, and I kind of have an idea of how you're going to answer, but uh, would you say it's better for them to try to stick in and maybe I've heard a lot of people say, I want to you know, help my friends and help, I care about them, so I want to fix them. Or is it better for them to try and exit that relationship and set new boundaries? And if so, then how would they go about that? That's actually funny that you asked me that because today I was having a conversation with somebody. I don't remember who, but I know it's today. And the person told me, I thought I could help somebody and I stayed in that relationship to help them, but they were there they were influencing me and I didn't realize mm -hmm. that they were influencing me. And when I realized that I, I knew they were unbelievers, but I thought, oh, I'm a strong believer. I can influence them. So it's, it, it's very important to know when you find yourself in a circle or group of people, be, know your limitation, know, if you try and they're not changing, time to to move on. Um, one of the things I didn't say about myself earlier on is that I have also been in prison ministry for over 30 years. Uh, done prison ministry in Africa. I do it here. I still do. And one of the things I tell my guys in jail when I go to tell is, when you get out of here, don't go and say, now I'm Superman, I want to go change my homies. I say, no, you are not strong enough. Your homies will bring you right back. All they need to give you is 200 watt of cocaine and, mm -hmm. and you'll be right back on the street. I, I said, go, go somewhere, get yourself changed, go to a seminary, go somewhere and be strong. When you're strong, then you can... Uh, then you can come back to your homies and say, hey, uh, come accept Jesus, and then you are a little stronger. Even then, even then, I, I've been in this business long enough to know that even if you think you are strong, uh, there's a scripture that says, he that stands, take heed lest ye fall. Even if you think you're strong, you better be careful. But once you find that they are influencing you, Time to 
time to get out. And sometimes for young people, they need other people to help them out because young people always feel, it's different for me as an adult. I have no problem cutting people off. I do it easy. <laughs> but for young people, it's, you, you feel like you're letting people down mm -hmm. or you're letting your friends down. So you almost need another friend or somebody, a youth pastor or somebody to say, hey, you're doing the right. Somebody to give you that thing that you're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you almost need that. Uh, as you mature, as you become adult, it becomes... Uh, one of the things I've also realized now as an adult, I'm, I'm an old man now, uh, is that um, it is not everybody that is able to just cut people off. Mm -hmm. uh, a bad, bad company. Uh, some, even some adults still struggle. You know, they want to go out with their friends and compare their TV and compare uh, different things. Uh, so they need, they need that men's group. They need that uh, man of God, strong believer in their life who has influence to say, "Come on, get out of there." You know, that type of thing. So, so you need other friends. Mm. Um, speaking of friends, a lot of our followers, especially with COVID, their relationships are over their phones now. Um, and I've heard of some who have formed like long distance relationships with someone they've never met in person, say like they live on the other side of the country, but they feel like that's the person they're closest to hmm. because they talk online every day to them. Um, can you develop intimacy with someone like that? Or, I mean, do you think they have to be face-to-face -to, -face to develop that kind of intimacy, or can they develop these online friendships? So intimacy is on many levels. There is emotional intimacy, there is physical intimacy, there is of, um, spiritual intimacy, there is intellectual intimacy, social intimacy. So intimacy is on so many levels. Obviously, if somebody's not around you, you cannot have physical intimacy. Uh, but you can develop an emotional intimacy with anybody, especially with modern technology. I mean, FaceTime, all mm -hmm. these things. So the investment that you put in on an emotional standpoint is time. It's time. So if you spend time with somebody on the phone or whatever, then you develop you develop intimacy with them, emotional. Uh, my problem with that, my problem with that is when you develop an emotional intimacy with somebody who is far away from you, um, you start to you start to get into territory that you're crossing boundaries that is dangerous. So, and I've seen this many times, where you start to show yourself naked. Mm. Mm -hmm. You start to flash your breast. You start to take pictures. And when you start to do that, you're crossing the boundary. And you're in your head, maybe you go to midweek service, you go to youth group, and you're saying, I didn't have sex. But mm. you are doing, you are excusing uh, bad behavior because that person is far away. So that is my problem. And you don't know the other person. Maybe the other person is lying to you. That's the other thing with being away. And I've heard a lot of stories of uh, people who uh, give, give a false identity. 
Mm. And, you know, there's one that just came to my head who gave a perfect identity to somebody close to me only for that person to say, let's meet. And when they met and that person realized that that person, even though physically was there, but every other thing was a false mm. identity. Mm. So, so the danger of that is that false identity is you crossing the line and you giving excuse that, hey, I can do this. What's, yeah. what's the big deal? Yeah. Yeah. And the, the sexting stuff, sending sexting, naked yeah. pictures, uh, goodness. Uh, th- again, this is something that even for me wasn't an option. I mean, it would have been really awkward because I would have had to put it in snail mail, you know, (laughs) send it to my wife. She lived in Hawaii for a while, send it to her and then just hope that one of her little siblings or her parents didn't open it. Like it wasn't even an option. And now it's like, goodness, it, it's one of those things where it's, you know, if it can be done, it will be done and there's nothing to stop it. There's no filters yeah, you know one of the things we struggled with with my daughter when she was with us was, um, I mean, we we grounded her with her phone a lot for several times because she she continually crossed the boundary, and there was one time that one of somebody called us and said, "Your daughter is on Google something. I don't know. There's something that Google had then. I don't know." Yeah, and. Um, the picture she put there was really bad. And and when I went on to look at it, you can trace her to her room mm. in my house. Yes. Mm. Whatever she was, she was on. So we had to close that baby like quick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you can do, you know, those Google things, you can trace it to the room. The kids don't do that. You, yeah. don't, know, you don't know who... You're sending pictures to or who is out there because they tell you they love you does not mean anything. So, so yeah, uh, technology today is dangerous. Technology long distance is dangerous, uh, except you know the person and the person moved away, mm-hmm. you know, like with you and your wife, so you know them. Uh, but even then, you have to have boundaries in oh, your yeah. head first. Uh, so that you don't get your, let yourself be sidetracked thinking, oh yeah, we can do this. Nobody would know. It's mm-hmm. a great answer. Yeah, and that was that was one of those points where I wish we had like a camera that goes that way. Because when you said tracks in your house, Dan's face was <laughs> 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 like it was froze for about a minute. <laughs> Man, see, we need a bigger budget. <laughs> All right, so this is going to be our, our wrap up question. Uh, and it, it kind of follows on what we've been talking about with intimacy. Um, because sometimes you put yourself out there and you trust this person. And, I mean, the relationship seems like it's going well, but for one reason or another, it's broken. Uh, and it happens in friendships. It happens in dating relationships and marriages, even between parents and their kids, uh, where where a line is crossed and intimacy is broken. So... How can that, uh, can it be restored? And how could somebody make restoration in those? There is something called breach of trust. Uh, Faith is different from trust. Even from a theological standpoint. Faith 
is I believe you. Trust is you have a track record. So uh, based on your track record, you can do this. Um, trust is built. Uh, is built. Faith grows, but trust is built. You have to build trust. Okay, I have a relationship with Gerald. Gerald has known me for some time. I trust Mr. Wadeli and so you build gradually. But then when you when you do something to bridge that trust, it shatters what you have built. Uh, but you can rebuild. Uh, in the marriage setting, what I counsel couple is the way to rebuild trust is to give your spouse something tangible. I'm going to be back home at 5. And you're back home at 5. If you're back home at 5.01, they still don't trust you. But if you come home at 4.55 and you do so for 10 days, then they start to say, huh, okay, he's changing. Uh, your phone, if you say, oh, can I see your phone? Here, you can see it. Uh, before, maybe you didn't let them see that phone. So, you do tangible things, and statistically, by two years, if you continually maintain those uh, things that you say, okay, I'm going to now do this, that person, the trust will be rebuilt. Uh, so, trust is rebuilt. Trust can be rebuilt. Now, it depends on how because of the investment that it takes to build trust or to rebuild trust. Is it worth rebuilding trust with when you are in grade five? Or, <laughs> or when you are in... For me, I don't know if this is good or bad. There are some people I don't want. I don't have the energy to rebuild trust with you. I just, I'm, I've decided, you know what? I don't want to say the word that comes to my mind. <laughs> I, I, you, you breach my trust, and I'm just going to let you go. You go on your own, and I'm going on my own. And I don't need to rebuild trust with you. Mm. Uh, and I, you know, I go on my own. And when I deal with you, I still, you're still my acquaintance. I'll say hi to you. I'll say whatever, but I'm not putting myself in a situation of trust with you. But now, if you're my wife, and my son, or somebody that I have to walk, walk with uh, for the sake of the kingdom or for sake of anything, then I will invest the time to rebuild the trust. So, yes, you, you can rebuild trust. But if you break up with your girlfriend in high school, and she's going to University of Miami, Ohio, and you're going to <laughs> University of Miami, Florida, I don't know if it's what you investing in building trust. I don't know. I'm just mm -hmm. saying my own. Uh, but people change. You People people do change. People, um, I'm not the same guy that my high school friends, when they see me today, they, they don't believe that I am who I am today. You know, they, even my college friends, actually. Hmm. My college friends, all what they remember and true was not nice. <laughs> Yes, I, I rededicated my life after college, and um, and uh, in my college days, I used to think I was a gift to women. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so people change. Yeah, yeah, apparently. Awesome. Excellent. Well, thank you, thank you very much, Femi. Uh, it's been really great just 
talking again, hearing your story and uh, getting your insight, especially from somebody who has walked down uh, life a little bit further. It's been really good. And, uh, and like you said earlier, not all of this stuff is going to be stuff that as a 13, 14, 15-year-old kid, you're going to hear and be like, ah, I love what you said right there. Mm-hmm. But I can attest, <laughs> because I was that 13, 14, 15-year-old kid, how many times like I have heard so many different people speak on relationships and say things that just, you know, in one ear, out the other, because it, it, it was meaningless. It was not tangible. It was not helpful. But it was just, yeah. But I, I can go back and I can even put myself in the room where I was listening to you and at the time like I said I wasn't a fan <laughs> but I I knew I knew that at least what you were saying there was grounding to it and so now later on uh as I've grown up a little bit and it's not like you know this year I mean like for a while now <laughs> I've been able to go back and to to even remember some of those things and like man when I was younger, maybe like early twenties, is like, man, I wish I had listened to Femi. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so well, th- th- thank you for saying that. You know, the, <laughs> there, there was I went to speak somewhere one day, and a young man came up to me. He came up. He said, "You do you remember me?" He's all grown up. He's like I don't know, six feet something, <laughs> beard and everything, and and he is now an associate pastor mm. in one of the churches in town. I don't want to mention. But he's, um, he, as a kid, he came to the Life Guidance. And I had um, been counseled his parents, and, and now he's gone to school. And, and he's a grown man. He has his own family now. And I was, so, I was close to tears when he was telling me some of those things mm. and the influence. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> um, so... Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to feel like I'm that old. But <laughs> yeah, but God has been good. God has been good. Thank you for Absolutely. the opportunity. Kelly, nice uh, meeting you. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. Well, thank you guys again so much for uh, joining us through the podcast. And uh, again, thank you to Femi. Uh, this coming month, we are going to be going into November. So we're going to be discussing No Porn November. Uh, the first couple of weeks, we're going to be discussing what porn is, how it affects us, uh, why it's so dangerous. And we're not just going to talk about it. We're going to give data and stats to back all of it up. Uh, So it's not just my opinion. It's this is what the science says. So we're going to be covering that the first couple weeks. Then we're going to move into talking about how it affects the world. We're going to talk about human trafficking. We're going to talk about uh, even child sex slavery and other areas that are being affected by this. Uh, it's not just something that you watch on your phone or watch on your computer or on TV. It is something that is pervasive and affects all areas of our society. So we're going to be covering all of that in November. Again, thank you guys so much. Make sure to like and follow our pages. Uh, and Femi, do you have any social media or any books you want to promote or anything like that? No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well... You know, thank you again, Femi, for uh, for joining us this month, and uh, thank you everybody for watching. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye.